Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they have learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome once again to Is This Room Free? Have you ever felt that your career wasn't really going anywhere? Or maybe you're just not sure how to get it moving exactly how you envisaged? Well, today's guest is Kirsty Robinson and her story may be especially helpful for you. Kirsty did a HR degree and was then unsuccessful with every graduate programme she applied for. She ended up accepting a general admin role for a recruitment business, but there wasn't a huge requirement for HR. Slowly, she got more exposure and experience, but after three years, there was no scope for the position to develop and she felt like her career had hit a bit of a wall. So she looked and found a new position and the next three years saw her get three promotions to the point where she's now People Operations Manager. There's so much insight and value from this episode and Kirsty's story will resonate with many listeners. So I hope you enjoy it. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me once again. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to this podcast because I I know the person, uh, my guest, pretty, pretty well. And Kirsty, I'm just going to let, I'm going to pass it over to you. I'm going to let you do the introductions and then I'm going to kind of go back and and kind of set the scene for everybody. So do you want to tell them who you are and what you do as your role currently? Yes. So... Hi, Martin. Um, and everybody. I'm, Hi, listeners. I'm sorry, yeah. Hello, sorry, I'm not used to this. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Kirsty, Kirsty Robinson, um, and I'm the People Operations Manager at END, which is based in Newcastle upon Tyne. Okay. And END are a, what do they do? They are a luxury menswear retailer. At the moment, we're branching out into women's wear, so watch this space. Um, so yeah, we're basically like a posh ASOS, I suppose. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So, so you and I kind of used to work together, didn't we? So um, I used to work for a recruitment agency, and we um, sublet some office space um, within the building of the agency that that you worked for. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we knew each other kind of um, for a few years. We didn't closely work together, but we were kind of um, cross paths quite a lot, and. Um, you relocated up to the northeast from from kind of Lancashire uh, a few years ago, and I feel as though, and the reason for getting you on is I obviously knew where you were at in your career at, at the point of of leaving that that business, um, and the primary reason for leaving was a relocation. But then it's like someone's just hit fast forward on your career over the last three years, and I've just seen you go from role to role to role um, and, and get up to to kind of HR operations manager or people operations manager. So I want to, I wanted to get you on really to kind of talk about, about all of that, about what happened, how you went from, I don't want to say stagnant, it maybe comes across wrong as a, as a word like that, but you were, you were feeling 
as though you were kind of just hit, hit your limit in that role, wasn't going anywhere. And, and there wasn't anywhere to go. It was, there was They didn't need a, you know, it was a size business, didn't need a big HR team, did it? Exactly. Um, yeah. But then something's happened and, um, and you've just accelerated in the last few years. So we'll get to all that. Um, go back, way back when. So rather than fast forward, let's hit the rewind button now. Um, you actually did a, a, a HR related degree though at university. So what, what made you choose to, to do a HR degree? Yeah, well, so this is a, a funny story. Um, so I was, what, 17, doing my A-levels, really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, and it was like the end of the recession, so like 2008 time. Um, no idea. And I actually wanted to do a philosophy degree. Okay. Um, I won awards at college for philosophy. Um, <laughs> I'm not like some great thinker I thought I was I'm not <laughs> um, and I really wanted to pursue that career but my mum was just like you know it's not really practical what do you actually want to do with it and I didn't know so then well, she was like, what well, can you do with a degree like philosophy oh, well I automatically just went to teaching didn't I I was just like well I can teach oh. but then she said she reminded me I didn't like kids or teenagers so then that was no good. <laughs> so I was like, actually, yeah, maybe not. And you don't get paid to just think thoughts all day, unfortunately. Um, so I thought, oh, I need a practical career choice. Given the, the circumstances at the time in the economy, I just, you know, went online and there always seemed to be HR jobs available. And for me, one of my core values is security. And so with that in mind, HR seemed like a really good um, option for me. Um, and that is how I ended up doing the degree. I'll be honest, even when I started doing the degree, I still didn't really know if that's what I wanted to do. You know, back then you started doing the degree and I'll be honest, I still didn't really know what HR was. I was going to ask you. A, a year you, into the degree. Did you know Apart from going, no. there's a lot of those jobs, so it must be a secure profession. Let's do that. But you didn't, you hadn't necessarily done oodles of research. No, definitely not. I was just a teenager that had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, As are most yeah. of us. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm 30, I, you know, it, would this be my dream job? No, probably not. I'd love to go and, like, you know, play with puppies in a park all day. But again, that's not a real thing. <laughs> I think so, it is in some place. I'm sure if you went to New York and set up some sort of boutique service to people who've got lots of money, they would pay you to just, yeah, play with their dogs in Central Park for the, for the afternoon. That is true. Puppy welfare. Yeah, like, you probably come up with quite a clever name as well, I bet. <laughs> probably. Um, so, yeah, no, after, you know, even after a year, still no idea what it was really. You know, HR just has these people just they automatically think of bad things when it comes to HR. You know, you normally get associated with disciplinaries or redundancies and firing people. The fun and police, I used to call it. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. The fun police. That was actually exactly. when I was in HR as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone just used to, yeah, I used to go into a meeting room. And I'd go in, I'd attend some, because we were an electrical engineering company, and I'd attend to try and understand the product better. 
And people were so skeptical when I sat in there. They were thinking, oh my God, someone's about to be, literally, someone's going to be fired here. Uh Um, And obviously it doesn't work like that. And then when they all walked out of the meeting and everyone still had a job, they they were all like even a bit more freaked out of why everyone had left and I hadn't intervened in any way. Yeah, you always just met with such like um, skepticism. And it's just, you know, it, and 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 that to me was still what HR was at that point. But again, it was a safe option, so I was like, okay, let's see where it goes. Um, but then part of my degree, I had a placement year, and I was fortunate enough to get a really good year in industry, and that was at Honda down in Swindon. So I How moved. Did that to... happen then? Was that did you have to apply for that, or did they approach the university with with places? No, so I had to um, apply. I they they'd never done one. I was fortunate enough to know someone that worked there. They'd never done anything like that before, and I I just sort of went in really open mindedly, and they were open minded. Huge corporate yeah. business, Honda. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, so I moved to Swindon for a year, the city of roundabouts. So there's just <laughs> yeah. hundreds of roundabouts there. <laughs> um never never even been to Swindon until I went for my interview um but off I went and it was one of the best years of my life to be honest really why do you say that you know because I going to university you've got independence but it's not real independence in terms of you know you're just living in a sort of bubble with your, your mates it's um I don't know it just doesn't feel like real life is it was just different so then when I went to go and do my placement I was living and working away I was on my own and I was like properly fending for myself for the first time kind of being a grown-up yeah being a grown-up you know I had bills to pay and things like that and it was just it was really insightful and also I had so many amazing opportunities there um a Japanese company is not for everyone but I personally loved it I thought the the values were absolutely great. Just the way that they worked, that just the the whole ethos was amazing. I really Let's, really enjoyed that. I'm interested in that because um, Deborah Mowbray, who was my guest last week, um, mm-hmm. she actually worked for a Japanese company as well, and she she said it's not for everybody, but she really liked it. And she worked for a, um, the brand Uniqlo, the clothing um, oh, retailer. Yeah, yeah. So again, some, kind of similar to what you're doing now to some degree. Um, but she she really liked it and she'd always liked the Uniqlo stores and the concept of it all. So it just it worked for her. Um what what is it about? So you kind of you went in there, what is it that that they did differently to a to a British company per se? So for me, they really believed in absolutely everything that they were doing, like properly. Everyone was bought into it and people lived and breathed that. You know, as soon as you go in, you get told the whole backstory and it's a genuine story. And from the off, everyone is equal. doesn't matter what your job is. Everyone's equal. Everyone wears the same. So we had the VP of Europe sat in our office. He wears exactly the same as people in the warehouse. If he turns up late, he has to park at the end of the car park. You know, they really put the emphasis on how important um people doing the day-to-day are and it was just so refreshing because at the end of the day if you know people in your warehouse don't turn up your job's not going to get done 
and they really recognized that and it was important to them and yeah it was it was just a really fantastic place you know length of service was average 30 40 years people went in young stayed till retirement and yeah. off they went and there was just so much to learn from people and yeah it was it was a really amazing place I was also really fortunate that um I got to travel with them which was amazing anyway because you don't always get that opportunity but especially in my placement year um they got me involved in like a competition and this was another thing that I really liked about there and they looked to the workers for their continuous improvement and really bought into the ideas and implemented them but they turned it into this big competition from around the world and everyone from all the different Honda plants all came together um, and presented ideas and then you just you basically had like this weekend away so we were in uh, Malmo in Sweden yeah yeah this weekend away with all these people everyone coming together for a common cause and just having a really good time but then you actually delivered some really big cost savings through it it was just fantastic I'm really fascinated by this I'm like I'm I'm gripped to kind of what you're saying because I just I I think I'd be bought into a, a philosophy like that of um, kind of the equality across the board. I, I love the fact that if the, you know, the VP is late, he parks at the end of the car park rather than oh, yeah. um, having that that spot right outside the front of the door. Because um, yeah. it, it, it grounds everybody, doesn't it? It puts everybody, it's little things like that that really back up, you know, it's like the values. Everyone talks about values and, and some companies really live and breathe it. Some just get marketing to do a really nice post that goes on a wall and think, you know, well, slap on the back. Haven't we done a good job? Yeah. Um, but it's things like that that really bring a culture to life and and um, pay homage to saying, well, you know, the proof is in the pudding here and, and we do believe in these, whether you're at the top or the bottom um, and we all abide by them. I, I love that. Yeah. Have you, yeah. have you taken any of those learnings away into, into any of your other roles or, Sometimes it's it's it can be difficult when it's only you who has that that knowledge as well. But have you ever kind of yeah just taken those learnings that you had from there and that that philosophy um, and applied it into your working career? You know, I I try to. Like I said, the way that they recognise the people that are doing the day to day jobs was unbelievable, and there's something that I try and when I work with managers now try and relay that message to them you know at the end of the day without your people you've you've not got anything um so I try and do that now but different businesses uh are they're all different yeah and they're all great in the in their own different ways but yeah I I don't know if it's just the Japanese culture what it was but there was something special about that that's brilliant that you 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 took something so insightful from a placement year that you probably got stuff out of it that you never even anticipated it wasn't like on the job learning it was actually kind of bigger picture stuff than that um yeah you know like it was when the um, agency worker regulations changed and so they used a lot of agency workers and I was very I suppose I was fortunate from a career point of view that I got to um work through um changing that and how people worked and how they were hired and so you know we were looking at different options we had a few redundancies we were doing like the Swedish derogation thing where you know they didn't quite 
they weren't quite full-time employees or whatever it was um and I, I you know I got a lot of real life um and real situational experience that I wasn't just there to make tea which a lot of people when you came back to university were doing you know at some other companies I, I had I was proper thrown in the deep end I'm very grateful for that and I'll always be grateful for that and my manager there she was absolutely fantastic still in touch with her now funny enough on Facebook and stuff so um just really inspirational people yeah I love that that's brilliant okay so so then you did that you went back to uni carried on your degree graduated at the end of it um did you so you specifically wanted to get into HR kind of after you graduated um how did you go about trying to get that first job? So did you start doing applications as you were coming up to your exams? Did you wait until you'd you'd finished? So I my final year was split into two. Um, I was part-time for two years through no fault of my own, no design of my own. I didn't want it that way, but that's just the way it so happened. Um how, 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 what do you mean you were made to do part-time so basically um one of I didn't sit an exam for one of my modules in the first year or second year um because I was at a funeral okay I filled in all the paperwork and got it all stamped got it all signed and then basically they'd said that I'd failed the year and I was like well hang on a minute I'm supposed to be sitting this exam in August so no I've not yeah. and they're like no, you're not doing that. You've failed. So I basically had to resit. Like, I can't describe the absolute hell <laughs> that uh, I gave them, that my parents gave them. You know, like, you don't mind, but you follow the process. And then I ended up being really negatively impacted because of it. Yeah. And so because I had to, like, carry over a module, I couldn't. I couldn't do the six modules that we had plus another. So I had to split. So I ended up having two part-time years. So I was commuting between Preston, which is where I lived at the time, and Sheffield, which is where I went to uni. That's Um, just bonkers. Yeah, it was bonkers. And the the even more mad thing was, even though I was traveling from Preston in the morning, I was still first in the classroom. (laughs) (laughs) So. Oh, that would be so frustrating. Yeah, by the end of it, I was so sick. Um, and to be honest, it probably it's probably tainted my view on going to university. I didn't particularly enjoy my time, but I think that plays a big part of that. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, so I worked, I basically worked alongside doing the degree at Booth's supermarket yeah. in the Northwest, um, which was good and tidied me over. So then I graduated and I, you know, I applied for jobs. I applied for graduate positions and just wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't even hearing back. I got a few assessment centers, but they are, I mean, the only way I can describe assessment centers are like the Hunger Games. (laughs) (laughs) They are savage. It's who can shout the loudest, who can just be like, say the most outrageous thing. And for me, it, I don't excel in that sort of environment. So I didn't get very far in those. I'm just, I could be one of those people. If someone's going to shout over me, I'll just stop talking. Yeah. Deborah, who, again, who was on last week, um, she she did successfully get on a graduate scheme um, at Harrods. But she said, wow. 
that um, she went to a few and basically each one she'd learn of when she got the feedback of you, you didn't, con- you didn't talk enough. So you didn't take it. You didn't lead enough in a group situation. And the next one, like you, you led too much, you interrupted people. So she then, yeah. like everyone she went to, she took a little bit so that when she went to one, eventually she'd created this kind of um, perfect representation of what they were looking for to, to get it. Um, she, she, you know, she remained authentic to herself, but she used these little bit of feedback to kind of um, um, a- adapt her style within those sessions. So she met the criteria of what they were looking for. Um, mm-hmm. I've, n- I've never been on one. I didn't, you know, it, it wasn't something that was conscious to me to go down the graduate route. Maybe, I don't know, I just um, didn't have the grades or maybe my university just realised I wasn't that potential <laughs> graduate material. Um so yeah, it's a bit alien to me, but I love the fact so many people that I've talked to on this podcast of, of who graduated have said that it's the route that the university tells them they should be going down. Um, but then they've all said how demoralizing they are and and actually, you know, it's the it's the minority, it's the elite who who seem to get them. And you're yeah. just left with a bit like you say, the Hunger Games, this is like bodies these battered bodies left on the ground where one person's victorious at the end of it yeah yeah literally you know i remember one of them you literally got picked off through the day and there was there was they had like three contracts at the end of it that they literally gave to people it was i never went to another one after that yeah i'd gone down to like the midlands and it was it was awful absolutely awful did you, did you think that was the route that you were supposed to go down, though, of applying for grad roles? Or did you think, well, actually, I'll just jump on one of the job boards and look for a HR admin role locally? Yeah, no, um, I think, who? sorry, I don't know who said it, but definitely right. The universities, there is, you know, they, they really steer you towards the graduate route in, you know, the graduate job route. But to be honest, for me, it stems back to, even at school, so it seems like a lifetime ago now for me, but when I was at school, apprenticeships were never really pushed. Apprenticeships were never really an option. It was like you go to college, you do your A-levels and you go to university. Apprenticeships were just, they were for, you know, um, entry level if you wanted to do like late, if you wanted to be a labourer. And that was it. Yeah. And I wish I'd have known more about apprenticeships. And, you know, I just think that, all these institutions, or schools, colleges, universities need to make sure people know what all the options are instead of just like trying to push them down these routes. I don't know if it looks better on their figures or or why it is that way, but yeah, definitely feel the pressure and this is what you should be doing. You've got a degree now, you should be going doing a graduate job. And if you're not doing it in a big corporation, then it's not good. Yeah, I was listening to um, a podcast recently. Um, it was, oh, I've forgotten his name, is BBC sports presenter and he's got this high, like it's called a high performance podcast. It's brilliant. He just brings people from um, different walks of life who are high performers, being sports people, business people, whatever they are, and interviews them about how they get to be a high performer. And he had, have you heard of a guy called Stephen Bartlett? Yes. Yeah. So he was owner of um, or founder of um, Social Chain, a big kind of global social media business. And he made a really, really good point. And he said, um, as you know, let's say HR graduate, 
let's say every year there are 14,000 or whatever it may be. Let's go with 14,000 HR graduates come onto the job market every year. Well, it doesn't mean that 14,000 HR admin roles or graduate roles are created every single year. So you're, you've got to be doing something different to, to achieve. And, and actually, it's the work experience that you've got that, yeah. that differentiates yourself. And, you know, it's about just having that experience of, of standing out from the crowd. But again, you know, did, did the university say, go down the graduate route, there are, you know, there's a job for everybody. No, they just say, go down the, you know, you should be getting a graduate role. But they don't say the chances are actually only a few of you will be successful in getting those. And, and there are other options, you know, there's there's tons of other options. Explore those as well. But they, they just seem to only pitch the one route and it's actually the hardest route. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I suppose even like placement years, if you, you go on a sandwich degree and they make it seem like there's just so many companies that are offering these placement years and that's just not the case. Like I was very fortunate. I knew someone at Honda to get me in there, but so many people on my course weren't able to get them. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just, I just think sometimes people just don't, aren't given the full real picture. Yeah. I want to, I'm going to, I'm actually, I'm going to use this opportunity to share um, something uh, with, with the listeners really. So I've, I've kind of thought, so I'm uh, in a unique position that I talk to, that I talk to candidates all the time and I talk to um, employers and businesses all the time. And I am going to try and kind of later on this year, um, set up a, I'm basically kind of like a, a conduit between the two, I think. And I'm, I like I, I kind of believe, like you said, that there's loads of students who are looking for voluntary work or internships, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But the the amount of organisations who engage with the universities, you know, it's not um, Bob's Engineering down the road. It's GlaxoSmithKline and um, you know RBS and whoever well, RBS don't exist. IBM. IBM, they're a yeah. big one with the unis. <laughs> but actually, you know, a, a company down the road might find it really useful to have an internship. So I want to try and create um, a platform through my website um, later on in the year where I can employers can register on it and say, yes, we would be interested in having a, um, a graduate to do an internship or someone just come in and do some voluntary work after graduating to try and get that experience on the CV just opening up their doors for people to to come in and have an experience and for candidates on that side to register the details and and the, the kind of the two get married up so they can kind of engage with each other because i think that's something that's missing in the world of um you know people come to me saying i've graduated i don't have any experience but i can't get a job because i don't have any experience yeah. you know i've worked at river island for 3 years or you know, Frankie and Benny's on an evening. Uh-huh. Um, how am I going to get that first role? And I always say, well, you need to get some experience, go and do some voluntary work. And then they're like, okay, well, how do I do that? And I always say, well, go and try and talk to people on LinkedIn, promote yourself, engage with people. But not everyone's always confident or necessarily knows how to do that without me kind of actually spoon feeding and showing them how to do it. And I just think if I can create this, I think there's a demand for that in out there as well to to do that sort of thing 
that'll be that would be really good um for for both parties you know not even just for the people looking for the experience like you say is for bob's electricians or whatever down the road well they probably are equally as uncomfortable or unknowing of the situation yeah. too so you're right there's definitely a demand for that I think there so. is I that think missing so. link yeah so yeah that's so really listeners good. anybody yeah that's that's something that's going to be on the plans of higher people later down the year um at some point yeah i've got i've got loads of big ideas that i, think, I just think <laughs> yeah, recruitment sure i think recruitment agencies should just be doing so much more um investing in the the professions that they support um and i've yeah i've got tons of these ideas but anyway back to back to your story so so how did you get your hr job then so you're failing at the graduate programs you're really peeved off with what's going on what happened next so i was then so i've finished part-time uni and i left booths i then went to a <laughs> frozen fish place <laughs> Uh, just because I have more hours going literally take anything I'm not one of these I can't sit around and not work so if it was work it was work so went there and it was like shorter working hours so use that spare time to then apply for other jobs so what, what were you doing I, were you, were you, what packing frozen fish no at, luckily I was working in the office um so okay oh so you started to gain some admin experience as well yeah and do you know what they actually got me involved in um because they supplied to the NHS and so I got involved in like NHS audits things like that which was actually very insightful um it was amazing um what you had to do but I suppose it makes sense if you're going to be supplying to hospitals especially food um so yeah I did get more involved in the back end office stuff as well as the sales and processing orders but no I wasn't packing fish just good all um, around office experience though yeah pretty much and then while I was working there I applied to work at a company called IT Works Resource Group yeah it wasn't it wasn't even a HR job that was advertised I'm sure it was just an office admin position with a bit of HR so I thought ah. Uh, I'll probably never get it, but you know what? I'll just apply. I got a phone call the same day from a man called Sham who used to work there. Um, so I went to go see him. And then literally a few hours later, he called me and offered me the position. <laughs> wow. So literally within applying, the whole process of applying to having the job was in what, a couple of days? A couple of days, yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. It was really short and sweet. So I met, um, so I met Sham. And then he basically straight away put me in a meeting with one of the owners um, and the current HR lady at that point. And and then, yeah, it was pretty much done and dusted. <laughs> so, they, so they had some, they had a like a HR manager per, person. Um, it was someone that was, she was doing a bit of everything. She was called Sophie. You might remember her. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah so met sophie uh lovely lady she's still there now she's a lovely and lady she's amazing she, she really <laughs> is amazing. probably one of the it, nicest ladies i've ever met do you know what as well she's she's got a crazy backstory she's done some crazy things in her time um just proper live the life but anyway that's by the by <laughs> um so met with sophie and the manager at uh, the owner and and yeah um ended up being offered the position and started a week later I think okay and, um, then, and so how did you then 
progress because I I knew you more as HR with a little bit of kind of ad, because of the because of the organization it was they weren't what about 70 employees something like mm-hmm. that um so it wasn't high demand of HR um but you were doing kind of primarily HR with a little bit of of other stuff so I kind of know a little bit about this so let's I'm going to play dumb here um for the benefit of kind of like the listeners I'm going to take their role so so what were you what were you doing as a first let's think of kind of somebody who might be listening to this and wondering well what what might a first HR job in a small company like this look like what sort of tasks were you doing so in terms of the HR side of the things I remember one of the first things I had to do was to go through the contracts of employment and basically just align them all because there were they'd issued different ones people were on different contracts so they just needed aligning and um because it was a recruitment agency I wasn't doing recruitment but you know there's a lot of restrictive covenants things like that so it was reviewing that side of things I'd never done anything like that before but you know it was really interesting and again put me in at the deep end but that was like a small part of what I was doing again wasn't advertised as a HR job so at the start I was doing very much just office admin yeah with a bit of HR the the person who I was reporting into was on maternity leave. So naughtily, um, and against my better judgment, I started just trying to push the HR side of things a little bit more. Um, As you naturally started- would, if, you, if you've got license to do it, and that's where your your degree is, where you want to take your career, um, human nature to try and go well I'm gonna try and squeeze a little bit more HR into my day-to-day stuff exactly and you know what um I suppose (laughs) I was very fortunate in that the company like you said was fairly small the owners were very much present they were there I just sort of said like I want to get involved and they were more than happy for the help so just really forced my way into it and then I I thought you know what I'm gonna really push my luck here and ask to do my CIPD Okay. And uh, <laughs> they agreed to pay for it. So there we go. And that's really, I suppose, how it all, I suppose, properly began. Okay. And how did you, um, so the, the stuff that you were doing HR-wise, given that you hadn't, you'd done it theoretically at uni, how did you learn about doing the job? Was it off, did Sophie teacher in training or was it just kind of seat your pants wing it google because you hadn't you weren't you weren't a member of the CIPD then either so you didn't have access to their resources um very much wing it I mean they also they used a um they had like a company I I can't remember what they were called I want to call them LimeWire but I'm sure that's that illegal downloading service from about 15 years ago (laughs) It was something. It was something along those lines. But they they had that company on uh, retainer, basically. So if I was ever unsure, had them just as a backup or just to like um, soundboard. Basically, just a sounding board. Yeah. And um, so, and that was a security net. And having that security net was probably one of the best things because it allowed me to make decisions and you know just try do things trial and error. And as long as you're working within the law, yeah, then you know it's fine. And that's just how I did it. Did you make mistakes? Oh, yeah. I mean, I still do now. Yeah. How did you, 
were they big mistakes, little mistakes? How did you kind of, because um, that's what I think people just make mistakes. You know, it's, it's part of human nature, isn't it? How did you kind of overcome those mistakes that you might've made? Um, do you know what? I mean, I've touched wood. I've never had anything disastrous happen. You know, it's just small things or small things that you could do differently. And you just have to admit, hold your hands up that you've done it wrong and really just take a learning from it and just be like, this is what I could have done or this is what I should have done. And now I know for next time and make sure it never happens again. And that's the key. You know, as long as you learn from it, then it's all right. And as long as no one's hurt and no one's in trouble, then it's, it's fine to make mistakes. Like I said, I still make them now, you know constantly learning when you're dealing with people there's all sorts of things that come up and you know there's always something new yeah I think for me but like you said it's identify the issue quickly Mm -hmm. resolve it quickly you know go whoever it is explain it straight away hold your hands up honest mistake rectify it if it's a pay issue get it fixed as quick as possible if it's something else you know whatever needs to be done but try and um identify it as quick as possible and fix it as quick as possible and 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 be honest with people and they can generally see like you go I'm so sorry I've made a mistake about this and and they can accept that then if you're um humble about it Uh, do you know that's well I suppose that's one thing I'm not one to blow my own horn a trumpet or whatever I'm I'm not but one thing I am quite good at is if I make a mistake I'll identify it straight away and notify who I need to know um, and just say, look, this has happened. This is how it's happened. And obviously, this is what I'll make sure won't happen again. It's a big thing, and isn't it? it? I think it's part of growing up as well, of going, do you know, it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. And do you know what? It's never seen me wrong so far. I mean, I've had, you know, I've had teary conversations. I've not liked it or I've been embarrassed. But at the end of the day, yeah, you just got to own up to it and then move on and forget about it yeah. more often than not. Okay, so so you you ended up being at IT Works for for three years, and yeah. and as I said before, you know three years in a in a small company that that probably doesn't have um huge amount of HR requirements. So you did your CIPD. Mm-hmm. How were you feeling, kind of towards the end of your time there? Did you feel um? that you had grown and developed lows or were you feeling a bit restricted? Yeah, so a bit of both, I suppose. You know, I'd really um, found my professional feet and um, I will always be grateful to that company for that. It was an interesting few years. Working in a recruitment agency is definitely a an eye-opener. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, like I, I grew a lot as a person and they allowed me to do a lot. But by the end of it, yeah, there wasn't a huge amount. And so I needed something else. Okay. So you 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 were relocating at that time as well. So mm-hmm. um I mean I, I know you and me had some some kind of chats around um kind of where you felt your worth was in yeah. in the kind of open market. Um and you you know, if I'm being honest, you probably lacked a little bit of confidence, um, kind of that point about going into the job market. Um, so how did you get, you know, going at going out for now you're really applying for your first proper HR job? Um, what was that experience like of applying for a job in a, an unfamiliar location because you've gone from Lancashire up to the northeast? 
and, and going into um, uh, HR advisor level when you've only worked for kind of quite a small business? Yeah, it was really tough. Um, and it was daunting. You're right. I did completely lack confidence. I still do quite often. Um, but your advice and your tweaking of my CV, I thank that for luckily getting me this, uh, well, the position that I started in I, here. I did not try and set that up so you would give me some really <laughs> nice feedback then. That wasn't the intention of, of kind of pitching nothing, you whack it out of the park for me. No, no. Do you know what? It's one of the things I wanted to say. It's true. Like you, you took my CV and you gave me some really great advice. And I've given that advice now so many times. So what was that advice that I gave you then? So you basically, I had my CV set out, so I had my personal statement, and then I went straight into my working experience, and that was it. And you basically, you got me to take out key achievements um, and like tangible achievements and put like a key summary at the top and change my personal profile. Um, so what was your personal profile? Oh, it was just very, it was very generic. It was just, you know... Uh, I'm hardworking, reliable, blah, blah, blah. And that's yeah. why I, I hate, One I of hate them. personal statements like that because why bother? You've just said what everybody, nobody says I'm lazy, I'm unreliable, I'm late all the time, you can't depend on me. Nobody ever says that. So everyone just says exactly. the same stuff. And I think uh-huh. if you're going to say the same as everyone else, either don't have it or change it and put something that explains your situation. Yeah, exactly. And so I did exactly that rejigged it all around put my key achievements at the top and yeah like that's how I ended up getting interviews I mean I had a few interviews up here um and you know I didn't get a few I funnily enough I actually got put forward for the advisor position here with an agency didn't get it then I got forward got put forward by a different agency and got straight through what Yep, I swear to God. <laughs> so whether they didn't even put my CV forward, I've no idea. But it was, I think it was like the next day I got a call saying, oh, you've got an interview at end, which is where I am now. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. Because I just had my application turned down at another agency, but so be it. I mean, there's, um, lo- there's loads I want to get into there, but that's not necessarily relevant for the podcast. I just, just yeah, this this is where I get on my high horse about recruitment agencies and, and how they operate and stuff but that's that's a different conversation for a different day because you know I, I don't want to bore listeners about me getting into this but well no, well it you know worked though it did work but also I I remember who it was that said I didn't get the position and now I'll won't entertain a conversation with them. I hear that so often that um yeah people who try and go through a, a job process with a certain agency or they just get treated like crap basically mm-hmm. and then when somebody goes into a role suddenly that agency wants to be the best friend and exactly. people remember exactly that um so yeah and because we've got a talent team now which is great um, but before that they were coming to us as the advisors and yeah they were getting nowhere with me so uh, <laughs> yeah it was a really interesting experience but not only that so because I was relocating you're right it was probably like my first big position and it was a big company that I was coming to interview for what was the size then so you've gone from like a 70 headcount to what sort of headcount so at the time it was 
I seem to think it was like about 3.30. Wow. Um, so so a, a big increase from where we were. Well, where yeah. I was, sorry. Um, and yeah, the the northeast talent pool is small. It's close-knit. Um, I don't have an accent that fits in. And they're very, you know, lovely people in the northeast, but they're very much like people from the northeast (laughs) um so yeah it was really difficult and you know there's like slang and stuff that i still don't understand to this day after three years and when that comes through in muckle canny that was i used to live with a a guy at uni and he used to say muckle canny all the time i mean i don't know what muckle is but i canny yeah i get canny quite a bit but um it's just like really good muckle canny yeah oh okay (laughs) See, I, I still don't know. So when that was coming through an interview and I'd just be like, oh, sorry, I don't know what that means. It's a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I don't know. So then I came up for an interview, um, sat with the HR manager at the time, or head of HR, and then came back for a second stage and met the head of logistics at the time because that logistics was the area that needed the most support. So that was your kind of key stakeholder. Yeah, had that second stage interview and then I got offered the position. So what, what was the structure? So there was a head of HR, you were going for HR, advisor role. Was there other people in that team? Yeah, so um, there was the head of HR and then there was two advisor positions and an assistant position open. Um, so all, one of the All advisors, being recruited, so they were basically creating a HR team. Uh, replacing a HR oh, team. Okay. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, so That's the, a different the, conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the, these positions had become available. There were backfills. And so one of the advisors had just started. So th- I was at, um, interviewing for the second position. Um, and so, yeah, there was three of us all started at the same time. And there was That's one good. admin who was there. She was still there and she's still with us now. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I think you, you were... People. You were telling me um, recently as well that um, I'm going to, I'm trying to lead you into kind of telling the listeners this about the three advisors and mm-hmm. where you'd all come from and got to. Yeah. So um, I've made notes, funny enough. <laughs> um, and that is on there. So yeah. So there was um, myself and there was another advisor and then there was the assistant. And I was the only one that had gone through the degree route. Um, one of them had gone through the apprenticeship route and the other had literally just work experience, done the CIPD off her own accord. And yet we were all at this same position, the same crossroads, we're all the same age. Um, and it was really interesting because, again, you get told you do your degree, you get a job, and that's how you fast track, basically. And that, then I, I was stood there and I was like, well, that's not true because here we are. <laughs> they I don't really- have the debt. I do. <laughs> I really like that, the fact that you've all gone a very different route, but all reached the same point around roughly the same age. I mean, there's a lot of coincidence in that. It's not to say everyone will be at a certain point by a certain age, but it's really interesting that you've all come together. You've all taken a very, very different route, Uh but all landed at the same place at the same point in time. Yeah. And do you know what? I think for me, it really, um, it just reaffirmed what I thought in that, you know, you don't necessarily need your degree to get to where you want to go the work experience and if you can get qualified alongside that is just a really great option yeah and okay. like I say you don't end up with the debt <laughs> so what was life like 
differently. So you've got into a bigger organization. I mean, a much bigger HR team from you and um, kind of Sophie, who mm-hmm. probably wasn't full time HR. No, no, she, was she, like two she day, two yeah, days like yeah, and she kind of did other bits. Um, and now you've gone into a proper HR team and a um, business that's quadruple the headcount that that you came from. Mm-hmm. What were you doing day to day? How was the role different? Oh, it was crazy. So I started in the January and they just had like mass recruitment for Christmas. Um, and with a team of just the head of HR and the admin, there's obviously a lot of paperwork to do. Um, and so it was coming in, catching it on all that. So just making sure that everything was in place for people, contracts, getting the right to work, things like that. Just make sure it was all boxed off. So it was very very fast paced at the beginning and it was just there everyone muck in and do what you need to do so um we just worked across all the different departments so at end we've got um we've got our head office functions so you know your core business functions finance um marketing we have like a content team that writes content for the website we've got a tech team but then we've also got our logistics on our retail side of things so when I first started, it was just a, whoever needs help, then you, you go help them, basically, regardless of the department. Then after a while, and, you know, there's like day-to-day employee relations, yeah, absence management, performance management, things like that, just very much everyone get involved. After a while, the head of HR then decided to split us up. Um, and so I was designated teams and the other advisor was designated teams and then we just we went down that route and so I was very much it sort of then turned more like business partner I was going to say so you're almost starting to now become a a business partner type model where you're given a functional unit that you're then responsible for kind of whatever they need to be done yeah and we're very much treated as like extensions of those teams um you know I made a real effort to get close to the managers and the stakeholders and and yeah, you you just get treated as one of their team, and it worked really well. I so, really me through. I'm I'm interested now. Like, I'm again, I'm thinking of the mindset of the listener. So, mm-hmm. you going into a role like that? So you've gone away from just a, a kind of very broad operational advisor, just you know, reactive, whatever comes in um, from any department, um, just kind of manage the situation, get through the workload, so to speak. Yeah, and then suddenly. Um, the structure of the team has changed. You're now kind of a pseudo business partner for for a functional unit. And you said you then went and kind of engaged with your key stakeholders. So talk to people who might not understand that. What does that, how did you apply yourself in that? So how did you make sure that you forged those relationships and identified the issues to then help them? So it was just very much threw myself into the departments and actually understand what it is that they do. Um, because one of the things that we were quite guilty of at the time was working in silos. Um, you know, everyone was it was almost every department for themselves, sort of thing. When really they were all very much dependent on each other. <laughs> um, and so it was going in and understanding what it is that those departments do where are the frustrations and how can we like help to overcome them yeah 
And so it's, you know, gaining the trust of the employees as well as the manager. Um, but also it, the way I work, I, I work with managers and really encourage them to be line managers. How? A lot of- Elaborate. So what does that, again, what does that mean? How do you encourage someone to be a line manager or a manager? you know, taking accountability for their day-to-day, if they're having people issues, instead of them being like, oh, well, HR's telling us to do this and HR's saying we've got to do that. And it's like, no, this is your team. You're their manager. We're going to work together, but this is your thing. I'll be here to support you, but I'm not their manager. I'm not doing this for you sort of thing. And it, it, worked, really, it worked really well for me. Mm. Um I, I've I've it seen built it. The trust. Yeah, I've I've seen it. You know, I remember I remember specifically there was one guy, and he was he was, he was yeah just pestering for ages. All of his meetings and his reviews with his with his kind of head of department, he was saying, "I want to be the manager. I want to be the manager. I want to be the manager." And eventually, they're like, "Right, okay, let's we're gonna we're gonna listen to you. We're gonna promote you to manager." And all he wanted was the job title and the pay. As soon as it came to you know, right, well, we're going to make you the manager. We're going to change the team. We're going to put these reports underneath you. Mm-hmm. He he basically just disregarded the people he was supposed to be overseeing and line managing and mentoring um, and using his knowledge to kind of pass on and educate them and just just wanted the money and the, and the, the status of it. And, and we then had to sit down so many times and say, look, you can't, you now have line management responsibility. This is what you asked for. You know, your job title as manager, you need to now allocate some of your time down to those people and, and, and invest kind of in them. You know, this is, this is what you wanted. We've granted it to you, but you need to step into the role really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you know what, like for me, it's quite often, being in HR, you sort of end up being other teams line managers because of people like that. And that's not how it's supposed to be. So, you know, you do what you have to, but it's you need to be able to draw that line. Um, and so, yeah, like I I won't be another team's line manager. I've got my own how, team now. How do you have those conversations then? Is it, is it softly, softly, or do you just go in quite firm and just say to them, look – you need to step up here. You're, you're a line manager. Don't say HR instigating all these things. You know, you're, you're part of the management team. You're, it's a consistent voice and a consistent message, but you need to take ownership of your team. Mm, uh, well, for me, softly, softly. So, you know, just say to them, this is your job. This is my job. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let you do anything wrong. And that's what I'm here to do you know, and I will support you and help you get it right. And then it's going to get so much easier the more you do it. Um, and so, yeah, it's just really showing them that you, you're you there to support them as well as the company. Do you think sometimes um, it comes down to a confidence, like confidence or capability oh, issue on, on their side, that sometimes they, they disregard it because they don't want to do it or they disregard it because actually they don't have the confidence to... They think, you know, I was one of the team and now I've been promoted and I still want to be one of the gang. And you yeah. can't, you, you kind of have to now draw a line a little bit. Yeah, 100%. You know, we've done training, it's like disciplinary management training, things like that. It's really good. 
and while it's fresh in your head, it's great. But then if that if those people on that training aren't doing it every single day or they're not doing it for a long period of time, that confidence is gone. And especially with difficult situations like say if it's absence management or um disciplinaries, things like that, when it gets difficult, yeah, the co- the confidence thing is a big thing. Um yeah. and it's understanding that that that's maybe their issue and not just bulldozing in but just saying you know trying to tune into maybe how they're they're feeling with it all Mm -hmm. exactly okay so how let's let's go for the killer question now then so gosh (laughs) (laughs) how have you gone from somebody who spent three years in the same role so three years as a as a kind of HR person with a recruitment business but then you've joined end and in three years you've gone from HR advisor to people manager and now responsible for a team yourself what what has happened that has been the catalyst for you to go through three separate you know promotion from advisor to senior advisor to people manager what and how is the killer bit I want to say I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. You do. I you've really done something. Know. Something's. You've done something that has helped you. Uh, uh, did all the three advisors all get promoted to people managers? No. Okay, so you've done something there, and I don't. I don't. You know, I don't. Let's focus on what you did versus what they did. But how have you, as a person? excelled in three years has it been right place right time you know have you just joined the company that's grown and 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 it's been opportunity or have you started to operate differently as a HR professional that has enabled that Mm -hmm. okay so I suppose there's a mix of everything there so like I said earlier there's about 330 people when I started and now we're I think headcount this today when I looked earlier was like 660 um so the rapid growth is definitely was a right place right time you you just get involved and you've got to be so adaptable to change because we constantly are evolving we're growing so quickly and that I've never experienced change like it and very quickly you just get used to it and I suppose you change the way you are um one thing I'm not afraid to do is talk to senior members of staff um or seniors you know the c the c-suite um I'm quite confident in doing that I know people are just humans at the end of the day and if you talk to them like they're humans you'll often get a human response back I know a lot of people get in their own heads about it and are scared to talk to CEOs or CFOs do you think do you think that comes from the fact that you worked at IT Works and you had that dialogue with the owners, the CEOs on a daily basis. So so to some degree, unconsciously, you know, your first kind of role in an environment like that where they are visible every day, they're they're kind of in in the trenches and and kind of there and you're talking to them. Do you think without even realising it, you just felt comfortable talking to those people? So then when you've gone into a big organisation you're not shrouded with thinking the the CEO, you're just, well, he's just the CEO. Just, it's his job title, but he's a person. I'll just go and talk to him like I would do anybody else. 
Yeah. So do you know what? It's actually probably from a placement year. Okay. So because we had, like I said, because we had the VP of Europe in our office, um, it, he, you, you talk to him every single day. I mean, the guy was Japanese and his English was very limited, but it was a, a great opportunity to learn to communicate with someone that the English wasn't the first language. They were super senior in a massive company and you just got used to it. And, you know, when you have those conversations, they were like my first proper conversations with people in those positions. And then to go to IT works and like you say, have that daily dialogue with the the founders, the CEOs and Patrick, the CFO. Um, yeah, I think that really helped. Um, and yeah. it put me in really good stead. And I, you know, I carry it forward to this day. I'm, I'm not afraid to like talk to those people at all. Because like I said, they are just humans um, and happy to go through anything with them. And, or like I say, if I make a mistake, happy to go to them and uh, admit that and own up to it. And it's just taking, I suppose, take, I take accountability quite well, I suppose. Okay. Take ownership of things. Is there anything else that you think you've you've done that um, has enabled these these kind of promotions? And um, I mean, I'd love to say that I was just brilliant, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I genuinely don't know. Do you know? I st- like I said earlier, I still do suffer quite badly with my confidence. I'm really not a confident person, and trying to moving from that senior advisor position to the people operations manager and managing a team of people that I was once the peers has been challenging. Let's talk um, about that because that, that is interesting as well of, of kind of you you being the one to kind of step up. How did how did the role suddenly become different? So you know you, you're going from being a HR generalist and advisor and working with the team of advisors and then this role opened up and I expressed my interest um just because I thought I suppose being honest I thought I had nothing to lose at that point mm-hmm. I just thought I'll see where I get to and then COVID happened so nothing happened um and then during COVID it was a great opportunity to learn a lot um I just implemented a new system here and so because I'd done that, I got heavily involved with a lot of um, the comms around COVID, furlough. I mean, who even knew what furlough was even a year ago? We were like, what's that word? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I suppose maybe it was just being like almost like a sponge and just learning it all and just dealing with it. Um, so I was doing all that while the rest of the team was still doing their day to day. And I don't know if maybe that's how. Okay. It happened I honestly don't know I'm still in awe that I am in this position to be honest um so if my manager listens to this and you know she knows that now well, <laughs> we're, yeah, kind I do. Of, we're kind of just talking before we um before we hit record though and, and I kind of said to you you know I, I remember those those chats um having you at IT Works and and you know I just said to you um off air like did you anticipate three years later that you would be going from applying to jobs to actually being a, a HR manager could you have even foreseen that absolutely not like it's like I said to you earlier you, this position now is not a position I thought I would have in even 10 20 years time I never thought I would get to this position um but whether that is a confidence thing I don't know it's just 
I personally don't try and set myself too far in advance of things or places I want to get to. So right now, I don't have this burning desire to be a director one day. But I think that's because I don't think I'll ever get to that position. And I just take it very much as it comes. One step at a time. See, Just see how it, see how the story turns out. Yeah. And, you know, one of the girls that I started with, she went off to a different company a year, literally a year ago. And she's now, um, she's a standalone HR manager there. And she's doing some really great things and lots of strategic things. Um, I suppose in a situation similar to where I was at, IT works but a more senior position mm-hmm. and I just think that I'm in this great team now I've got a director that I learn from every single day and I'm just trying to again just be that sponge and absorb it all take it all in and just see where I get to okay cool I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself good look fantastic um so final question for you then so mm-hmm. what what advice would you give to the younger you or somebody who has aspirations to become a, a HR manager like yourself? Okay. Um, so as we've discussed, that there's more than just one route. And don't worry if you don't get what you need straight away. You know, you, you get stressed because you're thinking you should have these things straight away. You think you should be on a graduate program or you think you should be doing, know what you want to do in your degree. doesn't matter. So if you want to be H- HR is one of those things where I think you just grow or, organically um, and you really grow into it and just throw yourself into things, get involved, ask to get involved. And one of the things is, you know, do everything with integrity and have credibility you know I think it goes without saying obviously confidentiality is important in HR but it's one of the things I really pride myself on even outside of work I'm known as like the vault in my friendship group I don't discuss things that don't shouldn't be discussed yeah um and I think that's you know I think that's recognized um it's okay not to know the answer like we've said it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to say do you know what I don't know but I'm going to go away and look and I'll let you know. That's fine. And and being all right with that, I know some people don't like to admit that they don't know the answer, but being comfortable with that definitely frees you up to learn more, I think. Um, and use networking to your advantage. You know, I am terrible at networking face-to-face, but LinkedIn, you know, CIPD groups or just HR groups, if people post in them, respond to them just get the conversation going i've had some great conversations on linkedin with people about things just because i've responded to a post yeah um and so you know really just i think something like those conversations those are you get as much back as you put in so if you contribute then you will get the rewards kind of back again whereas if you're just a, a passenger and just observe you probably won't get as much out of those types of platforms definitely not i mean i'm not somewhat i don't post a lot on my actual feed um again because I probably think people don't want to read it or they're not interested but yeah I definitely respond to things and that's how I get my conversations going um and also sign up to loads of resources you know free resources expert HR they get have like daily newsletters updates things like that take them all anything like that there is some amazing free resources out there that you can learn from every day you know 
you don't you'd have to pay you don't have to go away and do like masses of research some of this stuff you can just get send to your inbox and just read it yeah even if it's just a quick glance i remember i used to get them and i just used to you know see some of the headlines some of them some days absolutely nothing other days like oh that's actually that's really we're about to have a meeting about that that'd be really useful or that came up in conversation you know what what's this information telling me that then might help me change perspective or be a bit more knowledgeable on something yeah and even you know even like webinars and things the amount of webinars now because of coronavirus has been phenomenal like you can get involved in so much more because you don't have to take half a day out of the office to go sit in a meeting room somewhere come back to the office blah 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 you log in you do them and they're great and you you know it gets the conversations going you get other people's opinions you meet new people um so yeah I would just absolutely recommend utilizing more of them I should have done this for longer but I've just started in my new role really making a conscious effort to do these things yeah but that's what it is you know you're not going to know all of the answers from from day one and it's about just building up your toolkit as you go through your career and, and adding adding little bits to it along the way well yeah exactly and like you know you, you are dealing with people everyone's got something different going on for them and you need to be able to just adapt to that and learn with that and you know if you yeah if you don't know the answer you just need to be honest with people and because you can see through it if you're trying to if you're basically trying to fluff your way through something people know and that's when the trust goes but if you're just honest and upfront you know you, you manage to maintain those relationships fantastic brilliant right Kirsty. it's been amazing to catch up again thank you so much for for sharing this um again i'll just share something with listeners before this before we hit record Kirsty actually said I don't, I don't know that I'm going to have that much to, to share or talk about. Well, we're about an hour and 10 minutes in and and Sorry. I could have kept going. But no, it's, but what I mean is, you know, you've got so much to, to share and so much knowledge um, and a great story as well. So thank you for coming on. And, and I, I'm sure there will be people out there who will take away some really, really good learnings and insights from this. Um, if anybody wants to follow up and, and connect with you and, and ask you any questions, can they contact you on, on LinkedIn? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, one of the things, you know, when I moved up here, it was really helpful when people responded or, you know, just were willing to connect. And so I, following that, I make a conscious effort to do that with people. So more than happy to do that, of course. Brilliant. Cool. Right. Thank you very much. And take care. Thanks, Martin. And there we have it. Another show done. Thank you for listening. If you do enjoy the show, please do like and review it on whichever platform it is that you listen to your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google. Um, Also, why not tell a friend as well? Get them involved. Share the wealth around. Um, Feedback is greatly appreciated as well. You can um, reach me on LinkedIn. Any feedback is really, really appreciated because that goes back into helping the show be what it is that you want um, and I can tailor it to make sure that I'm asking the questions that, that you guys think are relevant. But thanks again and see you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hire People, a recruitment agency specialising in the HR and marketing professions. 
I've been an internal recruitment manager and a HR manager using the services of agencies. Some good, mostly poor. I've also been a job seeker who has been on the receiving end of poor service from every recruitment agency I've applied for a job through. It left me feeling despondent, non-supported and like a statistic. So I decided to do a Gandhi and be the change that I wanted to see in the world. Hire People was born from that desire to not only run a recruitment agency that has standards, but continuously drive those standards higher. This has come by offering a market-leading six-month 100% rebate, the innovation of a 3D CV concept that provides a video summary as well as the traditional CV for each candidate, and we place the focus on service, not sales. So if you're interested in working with us, get in touch and let's see how we can help you. And there we have it, another show done. Thank you for listening. If you do enjoy the show, please do like and review it on whichever platform it is that you listen to your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google. Um, Also, why not tell a friend as well? Get them involved. Share the wealth around. Um, Feedback is greatly appreciated as well. You can um, reach me on LinkedIn. Any feedback is really, really appreciated because that goes back into helping the show be what it is that you want um, and I can tailor it to make sure that I'm asking the questions that, that you guys think are relevant. But thanks again and see you next week.